Welcome back to a brand new episode of We Call It Soccer, a podcast by two United fans. I'm Caleb, alongside my co-host, Sasha Tolstoy. <laughs> okay. A literary on your ass, yeah. <laughs> nice. <laughs> uh, well, thank you so much, Caleb, Sifan, Hassan. Uh, <laughs> well, now that we are done with the Olympics, I wanted to get one last in, and I thought she was very inspirational. She ran four long-distance events. You did long-distance running, correct? Yeah, I did. I was yeah. in cross-country, and then... Uh, in track, or in the eight hundred and the four by four. Yeah. So you understand you understand these distances. She ran two fifteen hundreds, uh, five thousand meters, which is a five k, and then also the ten k. She medaled in three of them this year. This was all at this Olympics. It's uh, awesome. Yeah. And the last one she had to do was the ten ten thousand meter, which she got a gold in. Uh, that is crazy impressive. I think. So she's basically basically the land version of Katie Ledecky. Yes. <laughs> So I can't imagine running that much. Yeah, and in the heat. Like, and she, yeah, yeah. I need to qualify. I need to qualify in those events too. I'm pretty sure. Maybe not the five k or ten k, but for the fifteen hundred, you have to qual- qualify in your heat. I think there's semifinals too. It's just like so. She ran at least like twelve miles. Yeah, uh, at least. Quick shout out to Chris uh, from our Slack channel. He, one of his former students was also running in that ten thousand meter. For representing the U.S., uh, I forgot her name, but uh, that's awesome. Yeah, that's that's really cool. Did, did she medal? She did not. Uh, the oh, U.S. Okay. the three U.S. finished in a pack, and they were part of like the second group that was like getting lapped. Like everybody got lapped at least once by the front three runners. That's they were like, you know, they're three miles into it and they're doing like seventy-one second uh, four hundred meters. I'm just like these Jeez. these people are unreal. That's insane. <laughs> yeah, that is insane. That's absolutely <laughs> nuts. Yeah. Anyway, I guess I'll do one more Olympics question right <laughs> off the bat. Um, if you could choose one uh, Olympic event to participate in and give yourself the best chance of meddling, what would it be? Uh, let's go Winter Olympics uh, half pipe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Free yeah. like freestyle half pipe. Just I think I wouldn't. I definitely wouldn't medal, but I'd have the most fun on it. It's just. <laughs> Um, I mean, the easy answer is track. Yeah, because I ran it in high school. But the fun answer was you and me go down and do some synchronized trampolining. <laughs> yes. <laughs> just, just it super looks intense. Bu- I don't know. Just super bounce each other the whole time. Like, <laughs> what are these guys doing? Like, I don't know. Yeah, but immediately, one of us falls, <laughs> bounces off to our death. Up. Oh. Apparently, it's two separate trampolines, which is like, why even do it at that point? Yeah. It's more of a challenge if there's on the same trampoline and there's a risk <laughs> of like launching someone to the stratosphere. Uh, synchronized uh, trampolining. We're going to have it, and the Russians and the, the Chinese are going to dominate. <laughs> or, or we could do synchronized diving, but I will need water winnies. <laughs> Uh, I'll, I'll need like a, a pep talk to jump off, you know, a thirty-story <laughs> diving platform, even if it isn't to water. Every dive is a cannonball, man, <laughs> or a belly flop, and then a, a big splash. <laughs> but we are in sync. <laughs> Never have we seen such form. Uh... <laughs> you actually listen to us; you can hear them screaming as <laughs> they enter the water. Yep. Um, I'm assuming you screamed a little bit this past Saturday. It was your first time back at Allianz. Minnesota won two to nothing. I watched the game from the Northwoods, but I want to hear your 
in-person reaction to being back at Soccer Meadow of Minnesota. Yeah, I think just like for you, being back in Allianz is is a magical feeling, and you kind of forget all the small things that make it magical. Uh, from like, even if you're not in the supporter section, you can hear Thunderwall. Uh, you can see the smoke. Small things like seeing people who aren't regulars or fans like sitting next to you talking about the game. It just it's that atmosphere is it's alive. It was so yeah. It was a great game to be at. I was so happy right off the bat. Uh, like, I'm gonna get straight into the game. But like Reynoso in the first minute, like it was like less than a minute, and he gets a like set piece. I'm behind Michael Marich off to the right of him. Like I'm in row two, uh, in the you know the Brew Halls supporter section, and I know I'm just like you know edge of my seat. So yeah, to answer your question, I did I did lose my voice like. Uh, pretty quickly in first half, I forgot how much you like, how much cheering and how much, yeah, yeah how excited you can get. You gotta like ease your way back in. Mm-hmm. It's like when you don't drink for a while, and then you have that first beer, and like, oh man, I'm feeling this, yeah. and then you know, you're yelling at, the, at your first game back, it's like, oh man, I'm feeling this. <laughs> yeah. We should mention that Reynoso almost scored two free kick goals. Yeah. Both pretty similar. I think the one in the first half was a lot better, and also a lot better save from the. Houston goalkeeper, unfortunately. Um, but Robin Lude scored right in front of you. Yeah, uh, and that was that was his rebound shot off of a strong shot from Will Trapp. That was uh, uh, kind of unexpected, but it was so welcome. It was beautiful. Um, oh, props to Robin Lude, who had a great game. I'm, I'm glad that he's playing the poacher role, something we saw Ramirez used, like, like used to do and still does over you know Aberdeen. Um but I'm, yeah, I'm glad that Ruben, Robin Luda is like putting himself in the box and putting himself kind of in dangerous positions, where like he, like he's getting tackled or or fouled or pushed around because he knows he has potential to score a goal. He's like he's risking some skin and injury to like commit and get that goal, and uh, he was in the right place. And uh, yeah, a blistering shot yeah. off of the goalkeeper's like neck, chest, yeah. upper chest area on my will trap, and I should mention. He's been doing a lot of flack from supporters, but the man who recycled that ball back to Bull Trap was Adrian Uno. Um, ball was trying to pinball in around the edge of the box, and Uno controlled it and back to Bull Trap, who, if he would have stored, man, the place would have erupted. But I mean, Lude also like stored later, like a second later, so like it's not that bad. But still, that would have been up for goal of the year. Yeah. Honestly. Oh, yeah. If Bull Trap had stored that. <laughs> but great reactions by Robin. The only one who reacted to the shot, really. Everyone else flat-footed. Um, you don't really think of Robin Lude as being quick and agile, but he was in that play. He, he was the whole game. Like This was a completely different Robin Lude. Um, and I think maybe it was it was a team round because I saw Ethan Finley, who started this game, out on the left wing. Maybe he got insulted by us saying that he's a, he's a super <laughs> sub because he played out of his mind. Him and Robin were like... I got to watch them up close, just running their asses off. Uh, them along with Chase, just they, they played so well first half. Obviously, they did get pretty gassed 38 minutes in, which is when we started to see Houston kind of take the offensive. <clears throat> Two big sh- saves uh, from Tyler Miller in the first half. Um, and he also had a gr- great knee sa- leg save in second half. So I, I mean, I, I was at my grandparents' house. Yeah. I'll be up there again this weekend. But they have volley sports, so I had to watch the game. <laughs> but... The save by Tyler Miller in the second half was like the inside of his foot. Mm-hmm. Like he, he, he went one way, but his foot stayed like planted in the ground. He lifts it up. Just a beautiful save. Yeah. Uh, my little cousin is a goalkeeper for her uh, 
she's joining a competitive traveling team this year. She's going to be in eighth grade, I think. I should probably know that. But it's like she was just like enamored with that save. It was pretty fun to watch with her. Uh, um, speaking of saves, the best save of the game came from MVP player uh, Goalpost, which a shot from Houston came in, ricochets off the top bar, hits the back of Tyler Miller's head, right? This is right before the first half ends and goes out for a corner. So uh, that was like... See, on the replay, it looks like he kind of like angles his head on purpose and like hits it out yeah. of bounds. But if, if that's true, like he should be the, he's the best goalkeeper in the world. That was amazing. It was. But that was also like heart and like throat moments. Yes, yes, very much. Um, um, the goal that let all the butterflies kind of settle my stomach was Brent Coleman's. I think it was the seventieth minute or so. Uh, corner by Ray. His corners have gotten better and better as the, and went better and better as the game went on. He was feeling it, and it makes you wonder if he was actually like pretty injured at the beginning of the season with that calf injury that he ended up sitting out like in two or three weeks for. But if he, this is him like hundred percent like and like revving his engine up a little more. Mm-hmm. He was fantastic. But Brent Coleman is at the end of a corner. Um, very awkward header and it's like the side of his face yeah. and like floats in but I mean however it happens it went in so both of his goals this year have been kind of fortuitous I would say and just kind of kind of funny but we'll take him he's I mean with Ike with Ike off the team now leaving the team now um, and Botsy still not fully recovered we need that aerial presence on corners and free kicks. Uh, Debassi, I think, hit the, hit the crossbar a few games ago, but if Brenton do that, then he's, he's going to be a solid backup and solid guy we can put on late for corners if we need to. Um, overall, I think once again, the midfield was fantastic. Will Trapp and Hassan Dotson and Reynoso, I can bundle in there too, were great. Um, defense was really good. I think uh, it was Colin Solberg on Twitter who pointed out that in the games that Debassi has started, the Loons have lost twice his debut in the Western Conference Finals. Otherwise, every game he starts and there's at least a point in it for the Loons, which is an insane stat. I didn't realize how good Debassi was. We knew he was good, but like that good? Come on. He has a sixth sense. That's the, that's the only way you can describe it, really. He has a defensive sixth sense that, you know, things like Aikopara had. Um, but he's he's faster than Ike, I think, you know, because we see him we see him get forward. So, yeah, he, it is an insane stat, but he is truly remarkable back there. Uh, I have no criticism for any players this match. Uh, the only criticisms I have were that I wish Ja'Cory Hayes hadn't been subbed in so late in the 89th minute. I wanted to see more of him. And the refing. I don't want to get too deep into this. Uh, I think the ref was kind of pl- calling play on on everything because the wet field and the turf. To, so much to the point that in first half we had no added time on, and I was I was I kind of was like aghast at that. I'm like, are you kidding me? There's been so many fouls, and then I realized he's calling play on on almost everything on both sides. So, yeah. I if I never see Juan uh, Adudelo again, that'd be great. <laughs> I don't know what he does. I just know he doesn't do it well. Just play McMaster, play Wea in that spot. Yeah. If you need a late attacking sub, Nico Hansen's already been subbed on. Mm-hmm. If I, if I, he comes on for Uno or he comes on for Ethan, you don't have to take the other one off. Bring on Wea. Bring on McMaster. They're the future of this club. 
McMaster has an assist to his name already this year. We haven't seen him since. And Weah, on his first touch as a loon, had a shot on goal. So, I don't know. Put the kids in. Yeah. Otherwise, they're going to become the future of uh, Montreal and Nashville. <laughs> oh, it's too soon, man. <laughs> it's too soon. Uh-huh. Uh, any more thoughts on this game? No. I think, yeah, I think you're right. I think the starters were fantastic. I would like to score more than two goals, but it is what it is. Yeah. Um, some roster news from the Loons. Uh, Ramon Abila was waived. He returned to Argentina. Um, two goals in this time for the Loons. Um, I don't think he'll be missed, honestly, but this is the fifth or sixth striker that has failed to get on with an Adrian Heath team, um, the self-proclaimed striker whisperer. So this kind of goes into our first question. If you want to ask us questions on this podcast, it's $3 a month at patreon.com slash TWO United fans. Um, gives you access to our Slack channel. So first question comes from Mike D. Do you truly believe Avila's sudden departure was because of effort and fitness or is this another instance of Heath not getting along with a player. And specifically, I'm going to add to it, getting along with a striker. Uh, you, would you like me to answer this? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Okay. Well, this at first I did not want to put on my uh, tinfoil cap for this one, but it's... it's You see so many patterns, it, it's hard to not believe <clears throat> it's coincidence. Abila gets the red card for the punch in the side on... And you know, defending the the free kick a couple games ago, I can I honestly could like just imagine you know Heath just chewing him out in the locker room, clash of egos. You know, the striker whisperer probably, if anything, likes to scream and yell and be incoherent <laughs> while he does it, uh, especially to somebody who's not like a native English speaker. Uh, <laughs> so I think I think this is an instance of Heath not getting along with the player. Hundred percent. I think you're right. Yeah. Um, if I could borrow that uh, tinfoil hat, also the tinfoil hat is um, the Colin O'Donnell Memorial mm-hmm. tinfoil hat. So just pass that along. Um, I mean, we'll start at the past strikers at this club, right? So let's just go from last year. Kai Kamara, pretty sure he doesn't have a club yet. Yeah. Mason Toy has seven goals with Montreal. Um, Angelo Rodriguez, I don't, I couldn't tell you where he even is. Probably Colombia. Don't know how he's doing. Hope it's well. He seemed like a nice guy. Uh, Christian Ramirez currently plying his trade in Scotland and plying it well. Four goals in four games for Superman. It's almost as if, you know, he's a pretty fucking good striker or whatever. I don't know, man. But four goals in four games. In a, like, second-tier Scottish, uh, second-tier European league in Scotland. I think who else is back there in the depths of I would have done Lottie mm-hmm. injuries yeah I wouldn't blame Heath on that he looked done Lottie looked fantastic his rookie year but injuries derailed him we forget that he scored eight goals that rookie year and some important goals as well yeah well, that year uh, um, Darwin uh, Darwin Contero who now kind of frozen out in Houston yep um, also like happy Dylan Walper's birthday 
Uh, we, oh, yeah. did, we didn't mention that, uh, but Dylan Whoppers did get a, a shout out on the screen as they announced every Houston player. They replaced the name with Dylan Whoppers and, and wished him a happy birthday. That's, that's awesome. Yes. Dylan Whoppers is 103 years old. <laughs> but still going strong. Yeah, looking great for 103. Yep. Um, I didn't think there's strikers. Yeah. You could argue Lude, who is doing well. You could argue. Adrian Hanu has had a tough start to his career in Minnesota. Yeah. I just totally <laughs> pumped my mic, so sorry about that, Sasha, when you're editing. Yep. Um, uh, but Lude also had a tough time starting here, so jury still out there. Wea and Rich Master are more winners. Artadello needs to be yelled at, not whispered to. I don't know, man. I think Davila... The whole punching a guy in before a free kick is first off he did it right in front of the ref without any bodies in front. He's like, have some awareness, man. <laughs> but also like when he was on the pitch he didn't really seem that impressive. I think just two goals, one off a header, one off his own rebound on a on a penalty. Yeah. Like the header was pretty impressive, but he probably should have scored two more before that. It wasn't very clinical, and that could be due to fitness. But, I mean, I followed him on Instagram. It seemed like he was traveling every off week to Argentina or New York or wherever. And it's like, you know, if you're not fully fit, maybe you don't take the off week to travel to somewhere else. Maybe train a little bit to ditch yourself into fitness and back to the team. But, I mean, he's gone. He's not coming back. And he's... Probably not going to another MLS team. So, so long, Ramon Abila. We hardly knew you. Thanks for the two goals. Yes. I think they were important. I don't remember. I think they were, but... Okay. <clears throat> Fair. Yeah. Fair. Messina yeah. um, United announced their new CEO, Sherry Ballard. Ballard comes, will become the first female CEO in MLS. Uh, former Best Buy executive for twenty with twenty five plus years of experience and is currently on the board of Ecolab, two pretty big Minnesota uh, companies. Um, she will replace Chris Wright at the end of the season. Um, yeah, that was announced yesterday. Um, we thought they were announced messy, but turns out no, it's just just a very important position within the club or whatever. But welcome, Sherry. Um, I hope she. I don't know, it's hard to tell with a person without any sporting experience more on the marketing side, but maybe she can connect the team more to the community around the stadium. That'd be great. I'd like to see that. Or she just puts like a 70% markup on everything you could just buy for cheaper on Newegg. I don't know. I, I, I would not want to see that. No. That was a, that was a bad uh, attempt stab at, at Best Buy's business model. It's <laughs> a Fortune 500 company that I, I don't know how they're doing. I heard they were doing badly years ago, but meh, I don't follow the economy yeah. that closely. <laughs> Who knows? Yeah. Who can even tell what the economy these days anyway? What is it even uh, is an economy, guys? Anyway. <laughs> you can't tell us. Yeah. No one can. Anyway. <laughs> We have a question here that I have no idea about, but I'm going to ask it to you from our patron, Chris. And Sasha, you claim to know what he's talking about. Yes. So, from Chris, if the members of Class 1A in My Hero Academia were to form a soccer team, what will be the starting 11? <laughs> so, uh, 
slight insight into this. This is a kind of campy, cheesy, self-aware shonen uh, anime. Uh, so it's targeted at young boys. Uh, it's all about superheroes. The class, the, the the academy is for people who have superpowers, which are called quirks in this universe. And uh, it, it sounds dope. It 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 is if you like things that are cheesy and know they're cheesy. Um, yeah, I like Ted Lasso. Yes, it's pretty. It's pretty cheesy. Even knows it's cheesy, and I love it for it. Yeah. Uh, unlike Ted Lasso, like where like Lasso, they have moments of like that are realistic and serious. This one has serious moments that are completely unrealistic, and you're just like, try like. You are making the gravity of the situation, like, <laughs> shoving it down my throat. I get it. Like, this is important to you, but this is a cartoon. <laughs> um, to quickly answer the question, uh, most of the people from Class 1A are pretty incompetent. Uh, even, I've gotten up to Season 3, which means I think I'm two seasons behind. Like, both the main characters, Deku and Bakugo, would be massive overkill. Uh, like, Deku is pretty much, like, the equivalent of Superman. Uh, but he can't control his super strength, and so he like he 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 would destroys everything he touches, including like he would kick the ball and literally it would explode from how much force he put in it. Uh, his <laughs> rival and lover, <laughs> Bakugo, has the power that's, of that's, <laughs> an, that's an interesting combination. Yes, uh, yes, especially for a shonen to introduce potentially a either you know homosexual character or maybe a completely asexual character. They have kissed in the anime though. No. And Bakuko is like constantly bullying Deku. I don't want to get too deep into this, but his power is pretty much that like he can cause explosions from his hands. Also, overkill, not much use anywhere. Like he'd be the best goalkeeper, honestly. <laughs> I thought about that too, but he also just destroy the ball. He also massive temporary issues. He'd get a red card within like the first ten minutes each match. So too much of liability. Um, <laughs> Todoroki, who's considered the strongest in the class, has both pyrokinesis and ice kinesis. Also, massive liability. Um, there are two players who I think would be useful, and that's Tenya Ida, who's pretty much uh, the Toad like from Marvel of this universe, except that she has frog powers instead of Toad powers. That'd be somewhat useful as, as a keeper or maybe a defender with the tongue. Um, and then there's... Can you... Oh, okay. I guess it's yeah. not technically her, hand, her hands, so I guess it would work. Yeah. The tongue would be kind of gross. Yeah, but... yeah. and the jumping, so... Yeah, uh, that's true. Uh, Tenya who is pretty much the Flash of this universe, except that his quirk is called Engine because he has jet engines on the back of his calves. Uh, they explain how the physics of that works without him just getting blasted, in, you know, in, in circles and backflips. Um, he and his brother both are, are speedsters, so I guess they would be effective on the soccer pitch. But everybody else in that class is is just useless. Anyway, well, that show sounds amazing. Yes. <laughs> I hope there's a soccer episode or a Ted Lasso crossover in the future. <laughs> That'd be amazing. <laughs> I'm glad you didn't answer that because it was gibberish to me when you asked that. So come come join our Slack channel and ask us about weird animes and maybe we'll know about it. Who knows? Anyway, let's move on to some actual soccer. Yes. <laughs> um, some MLS action, Western Conference. We'll start with um, actually Dallas 2, Austin FC nil. Austin FC kind of returned to the meme, mean, not the meme, turned to the mean of most uh, expansion sides after their hot start. Um, goals by Hollingshead and Ricardo Pepe. A little fun story here from Dallas. Before the All-Star teams were named, the FC Dallas social media person who like, runs their Twitter account said that if Pepe would made the team, he would get a Pepe, sorry, they would get a Pepe hype train tattoo on their arm. 
and he did. So there's a picture of I think Pepe with the social media manager with a tattoo on their arm, which is pretty cool. Also, not a bad reason to a tattoo, but you have, you have to explain why the train says hype on it. Yes, the entire time. So yeah, cool. it, 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 as a tattoo, I, I wouldn't get it, but because the good, there's a good story attached to it, it's it's passable. It's not one that you'd yeah. regret. I think. Yeah, there's a good there's a good story behind it. Yeah. So. That's good. Octaro nil, SJC nil. Supposedly, you can't really, you can't prove this game happens. We can't either. No. So moving on, mm-hmm. uh, Portland three, Salt Lake two. Handball uh, early in the box on RSL. Aspria converts. They go up three to one. Uh, Rusnak pulls one back for the Salt Lake. Um, Yimichara and Mora score the second and third for Portland. Uh, Mora's goal was off a brilliant ball by Sebastian Blanco, kind of reminiscent of uh, Reynoso's assist to uh, Lude against Portland. So I think Blanco was taking notes. Like, oh, I should do that. <laughs> and then late goal for Salt Lake makes this game a lot closer than it actually was. Demir Trilak, because who else? He's going to score goals at some, in most of the games they play. Uh, San Jose, LAFC. Uh, San Jose 2, LAFC 1. Uh, three goals in this game, all scored by San Jose players. Unfortunately, <laughs> Jackson Neal put one in his own net. Um, but luckily for them, LAFC can't score any goals of their own. So, yeah. Sounds like it's a pretty big win. And I think we talked about this before. Bob Bradley on the hot seat, probably it's, it's getting warm for sure, yes, right? Yes. Uh, you can't. You can't blind people with your with your chrome dome for long enough for <laughs> <laughs> to, uh, to to make them look away from a poor run from LAFC so far this season. Yeah, we're lucky that he's not on the same team as he isn't coach uh, Atlanta United because Brad was down and him on the same team. Just <laughs> it was not fair. Lights in everyone, every opposing player's eyes. It, it, it's the reason actually why Michael Bradley is kept up in Toronto. They have to keep those bald heads <laughs> separate from the other two in the league, otherwise they they make the Triforce. Uh, I mean, they do they do make a triangle. <laughs> yes. So Bradley in Toronto okay. this is at the top. Who's yeah. on Atlanta mm-hmm. in the East, and then. Bradley in the West, but a triangle. Yep. The bald Illuminati of MLS right there. <laughs> yep. We figured it out, guys. I should probably put this... Put, <laughs> I should probably take off this Colin O'Donnell Memorial tinfoil hat. The guest star this away. week, the spirit of Colin O'Donnell. <laughs> we should mention, he's not dead, but it's fun to say <laughs> Colin O'Donnell Memorial tinfoil hat. So... <laughs> he's alive and well. Yep. Uh, the next opponent, the Galaxy tied Vancouver 1-1. At home, uh, Kevin Cabral scored for LAFC, or LAFC for the Galaxy, and Veselinovich. I think I nailed that yeah. for as far as Vancouver. Um, this it's the especially the halfway point where seventeen out of thirty-four games in the MLS season, which divides down to one half. What's your thoughts on the Western Conference standings right now? And for those at home, let's read it off real quick, yep. <clears throat> top to bottom. Kansas City, Seattle, LA, Colorado, Minnesota, Portland, LAFC. And then outside the playoffs, we'd have Salt Lake, Dallas, San Jose, Houston, Austin, and Vancouver. I think most of the standings are reflective of how strong the teams have been overall. Um, 
things change obviously week to week with power rankings, but SKC has been the best and and pulled ahead of Seattle in the past couple weeks. Um, I guess two tweaks I would make. I'd say I think Colorado is better than LA Galaxy. I think we mm-hmm. can beat LA Galaxy at home, and I think then the the reverse is true for them at, at home and the, the reverse fixture. Um, so I think it's pretty dead even there. Uh, so maybe a, a tie for fourth between us and LA Galaxy. Um, towards the bottom, honestly, everyone below Dallas, I think, could all beat each other at some point. Even Austin. It's odd to say that I think Vancouver isn't the worst team in the conference. Who, who do you think it is? <laughs> it depends uh, during the week, it, whether it's Houston <laughs> or Austin or Dallas. Yeah. Yeah, they're both pretty bad. <laughs> yeah, Texas team's not doing well this year. No. Um, I think I think Colorado's probably a top three team. Um, I did I did see a team like San Jose making a run and getting the last playoff spot. They're only two points behind LAFC in Portland. Mm-hmm. Um, and I like that uh, Abbasi acquisition they made, and they looked pretty good against uh, LAFC this past week. Um. Yeah, I think the Texas teams are pretty bad. Dallas being the being the uh, kingdom ship mountain down there. Yeah. Um, piggybacking on your prediction, if if San Jose makes playoffs and Portland doesn't off the backs of that Bobbsey trade, I would laugh so hard. <laughs> um, I would also laugh pretty hard because Jeremy Bobbsey is the only te- only player in that team's like eh, I don't mind Portland now that he's gone. Nah, fuck Portland, dude. <laughs> yeah, Move <pretty> <laughs> on to the Eastern Conference. Sasha, you take us through these games? Yeah, uh, let's start with the most exciting one, which is New England Revolution 2, Philly 1. Uh, Matt Polster opened up the scoring in the 10th minute. Uh, uh, it was a really good give-and-go between him and McNamara. Uh, I think it was his first goal. <clears throat> well, in regards to the first goal, Paxton, I might give you another one. Paxton Harrison got uh, his first start and his first goal for New England Revolution New, uh, for Philly. In the 31st minute, this is Brandon Aronson's younger brother who got signed. And just like Brandon Aronson, he's making waves instantly, and he's going to go straight off to Europe. Uh, <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. Fantastic goal by him. Yeah. Uh, 17 years old, his first goal. Yeah. And the first goal that Matt Turner has given up in from open play in like over a month. Yep. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, th- nice. This one got decided, though, at the end of first half. There were no goals in the second half. Gustavo Bull got awarded a penalty kick. Initially saved by Andre Blake, uh, but Gustavo Bell runs up and gets the gets the rebound. Uh, 2-1 for New England Re- Revolution. Uh, moving on to D.C. versus Montreal, another 2-1 game. First goal was by right-back Zachary Bro-Gillard. I think first time I've said, said that name on here. Uh, he scored the they, only goal for Montreal. I mean, it's probably Tepetois or French, so yeah. Zachary Bellard... Exactly. Oh, yeah, how exactly. to say it in exactly. French. I don't know. Exactly. For sure, it's accurate. Yep. Uh, second half, Andy Nair and Ola Kamara uh, scored to give DC the win. Um, <laughs> rolling on with the theme of 2-1 and a kind of a surprise win here for Inter-Miami over Nashville. Um, even though Nashville scored first, CJ Sapong scored in the 48th minute, but Gonzo Higuain scored in the 60th to bring it level. Then Indiana Vasiliev uh, got the late-game winner in the 95th minute. ESPN claims that Inter-Miami is out of their slump because of two wins and two draws in the past four games. I call that expansion propaganda and bullshit. It, it's, it's absolute bullshit. <laughs> yeah. Like, they're still not a good team. 
not a well put together team. Yeah. Like not a team you like. We'll put all these guys together and they'll work well together. No, absolutely not. Although that late winter was pretty intense. I, I was watching that game live and it, right before it happened, like Miami was on a break and then the ref got in the way and I thought Gonzalo Higuain was going to murder someone on, <laughs> on live television. Yeah. Someone being that ref. But then they scored in the resulting free kick. So it was all good. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that ref has not been seen since he entered the tunnel though. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, okay. Uh, moving on to Chicago Fire, another two-one game uh, versus New York Red Bulls. I have completely gotten New York Red Bulls wrong this season. Um, there's a little preview for our, our look at uh, standings. Um, Lukas Stanojovic uh, got a brace in the first half. He got a brace in the first eight minutes uh, for Chicago Fire. Yeah, that is it's efficiency. Um, that just tells you how badly like New York has was caught off. Like uh, the defense was caught sleeping. Um, they didn't turn around until the 97th minute when Tom Barlow got subbed on 26-year-old striker and scored. Um, but the one goal wasn't enough for them. All right. I'm going to take you through this next game yes. because holy shit. Yeah. Okay. Atlanta 3, Columbus Crew 2. First of all, boo, fuck Atlanta. Anyway, now that our contractual fuck Atlanta has been said in this podcast, mm-hmm. um, there were three penalties in this game. <laughs> three. And granted, most of them... Uh, Okay, all of them were probably the right call. All of the highlights that I watched were the uh, Columbus feed, and they were fucking livid with the Atlanta calls. Atlanta had two penalties. Uh, Columbus had one. Um, Columbus did also have a goal called off for a very tight offside, although he probably was. Like, it's one of those, one of those like, well, they're reviewing it, so the VAR saw something, ref checked it at the screen. Okay. If you see something, it's probably offside. Um, but I don't like it. So I don't like Atlanta. Um, Moreno was the one who drew both penalties for Atlanta. Both times, trying to just, he tried to dribble past the defender and kind of left his foot out or his leg out and just got clipped. And both times, the Columbus announcer's like, what a dirty move by the Atlanta player. How dare you do that? I'm like, don't kick his leg and it'll be fine. Anyway, um, for Columbus's penalty, uh, I think it was Jonathan Metzger got body slammed on it, going up for a header in the box. Um, like, full-on guy just like, wasn't playing the ball, charged him, and, like, soldered him right in the chest. So, yeah, clear penalty. Um, Columbus's other goal was out of a corner, also by Jonathan Mesa. Uh, Ezekiel Barco had a beautiful one-two with George Bello for the opening goal in the fifth minute for Atlanta. Um Apparently they don't need a coach, or at least they don't need a coach who doesn't well, to drink water. So, and gives them days off. So, I'm glad the players of Atlanta are not being abused by their coach now. But I wish they would play worse. Yeah. Uh, moving on to a kind of surprising game, considering the standings, we had a one-one FC Cincinnati versus. Orlando City. Uh, Brenner scored his first goal in MLS and for FC Cincinnati. It was assist by Barriel, who cut it back perfectly in the box, and Brenner just has to one-time it in. Um, Orlando rebuttaled with, of course, who else but Nani. 
He just breaks past the midfield and takes a long shot uh, to score for Orlando. Kenneth Lemire, who had been having a great game, stopping all the shots. And there were a lot of them coming quick and fast right from the start. Um, he kind of was just caught unprepared, which, I mean, you should know that if, if Nani got space, no matter how far out, he's going to take a shot. I think he expected Nani to dribble a little bit more, but it got past him. Lastly, we have Toronto 2 New York City FC 2. This was only the third game back home for Toronto, and it was a horrible start and what looked looked, looked like what was going to be a horrible game. Thiago Rodriguez scored uh, first for New York City FC in the 12th minute off of a really easy, like, kind of give-and-go chip into the box. Uh, Tajuri doubled the lead in the 21st minute by nutmegging Alex Bono, the goalkeeper for Toronto. Um, but Toronto wasn't going to give up at home. And second half, Richie Larea nutmegs Sean Johnson <laughs> in almost in a mirror. Yeah. And that was in the 49th minute. Just six minutes later, Pozuelo scores off a breakaway assist from Achara. Achara, like, beams up the right side, sees Pozuelo in the box perfectly, uh, gets it in there, crosses it in. Uh, Pozuelo puts it away. So Toronto gets a 2-2 draw that feels like a win, I'm sure, for them. Um, because they saw it about... 30 minutes left after, you know, that second goal, and they just, they went for it. They they dominated possession second half. Deep breath, Sasha. Yes, yes. Yeah. Okay. Uh, let's move on to the Eastern Conference standings, and then we're halfway through the MLS season. At the top, New England, Orlando, New York City, Philadelphia, Nashville, D.C. United, Columbus, and then outside of the playoff spots are Montreal, Red Bulls, Atlanta, Chicago, Miami, Cincinnati, and Toronto. We should note here that at the top of the table, New England are 10 points above second place Orlando. Yeah. The real fight is second place through sixth place, and the fact that Columbus is outside of that in seventh is, I think, the first biggest surprise. Um, I think New York City doesn't deserve to be, doesn't <laughs> deserve to be in there. I honestly think Orlando and Philly... Are better than them. Uh, I'm. Pr- I think Nashville can draw them. Uh, Nashville can draw anybody. Exactly. Nashville yeah. has ten draws so far this season. Exactly. Um, just over half their games. Yeah. Uh, I'd be excited to see if Montreal breaks into the playoffs. Um, and speaking of the last Canadian team, Toronto, I think is the biggest surprise. But we've been talking about it every week, and they're at the bottom. I mean, Atlanta's a pretty big surprise for me. Mm-hmm. Um, the. They're in tenth, but if they if they made a run now with, without their Joe Sargent over coach, I wouldn't be surprised. Um, I think the biggest surprise in the Eastern Conference right now is how dominant New England have been. Yeah, and they were without their best goalkeeper for a little over a month because Turner was at the Gold Cup. So, and th- uh, a healthy Carlos Hill and a healthy Gustavo Bo are just worked wonders for this club and. I'm really glad they got to keep uh, Tajan Buchanan for the end of the season, too, because he's going to be very important for them going forward. Yeah. I haven't watched enough in New York City FC to, like, say they're frauds or anything, but I don't know. I, think, I don't think Columbus is good. No, I, I agree with you I on that. I don't think Columbus is good. Yeah. Um, it, 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 maybe I'm skewed by this Toronto game, but Toronto scored two second-half goals against this New York team. No matter how good their offense is, the worst-placed team currently in the East scored twice on you. Um, <laughs> that's why I, I think New York City doesn't deserve to be in that in that in that third place spot. I think they deserve close to be sixth or seventh. Yeah. If the season ended, to, if the season ended today, 
New England would win the Supporter Shield and Toronto would win the Wooden Spoon. Yep. So Eastern Conference just a tale of two, <laughs> two very different seasons, yeah. top and the bottom. Yep. Um, let's move on to the biggest news in the soccer world. Jack Grealish. No, I'm kidding. Uh, Lionel Messi. Uh, Lionel Messi signs officially with uh, Paris Saint-Germain. And it's it's weird, man. You see pictures and videos of him in the Paris Saint-Germain kit, and it's like, it's wrong. Just wrong. Who let Loki do this? <laughs> I like this variant. <laughs> Yeah, PSG's whole like uh, reveal trailer I, I, I had some digital editing on it because it didn't look like a real. <laughs> it looked like a hologram of Messi sitting inside a hologram stadium. Uh, so maybe it I was... think this is actually this is actually just viral marketing for uh, Marvel's What If. <laughs> <laughs> what, what if, if? Messi left Barcelona? <laughs> um, and now they're like, oh shoot, we made this TV show like last year, but now it's coming true. Do you want this for like promos? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, this is this topic's been uh, you know dissected to death by every podcast, uh, and I'm not going to go into the well. Is the Liga wrong? Is Barcelona wrong? Debate. Um, I I'll just say I, I think it's Barcelona's own fault. I think they, this is they dug their own grave. I don't think it's the Liga's fault personally mm-hmm. as to why Messi left. But you're absolutely right. Yeah. <laughs> you're absolutely right. When you give you you pay enormous fees for. Asuman Dembele, yeah. Philip Coutinho, Samuel Mtiti, and do them extravagant contracts. Yeah, they don't pan out. And you can't, and now they can't sell any of those players because yeah. their contracts are too big, and they're not going to recoup any nearly enough money for those players. Yeah, it's just bad business all around. Yeah, Ivan Rakitic went to Sevilla last season for 1.5 million euros. They turned down 40 million like the year before. 4T and this one for 1.5. It's bad business. Barcelona deserves this, honestly. Mm-hmm. And although ESPN's probably pissed because they got La Liga rights for this season, it kind of makes La Liga a lot more interesting to watch. So, yes. Um, I will agree with everybody who this is, this is like a historical time in history where well, that was redundant. A player, there are two <laughs> players who are really their own economies. Yeah. <laughs> Really, and that's Ronaldo and Messi, and one of them just jumped leagues, and not to the most televised league in the world, right? <laughs> one of the least televised leagues. Um, yeah. So that's... <laughs> it's just yeah, a I weird... Mean, it's wor- yeah. It's worked enough for PSG. They sold out of hundred. They sold out of 150,000 Messi jerseys in seven, seven minutes. Yeah. Which is insane. Mm-hmm. Um, so also part of our... Slack channel, we asked you questions now, and we asked our patrons, is Messi moving to PSG bad for soccer, and why? The three answers here, one from Mike D. Um, he says, yes, this has opened up soccer to the same problem that's plaguing the, plaguing the NBA super teams. Further shows the, the divide between the haves and the have-nots. What are your thoughts on that? Um, actually, I agree with the second part about that the like creating this divide just like in the real world we know nothing about economy but i'll claim to uh this this increase in the, like uh this, uh this increasing gap between classes you know and the disparity that's also happening in soccer and between soccer owners there's there are people who are like bob craft and uh you know the family that owns 
Red Bull brand and are who own and who own Arsenal and they're billionaires and they're still small ballers in this world of soccer owners, which is ridiculous. So yeah, I believe it is creating a, a bigger divide. I mean, also with the NBA. I mean, come on, the bots aren't a super team, so like, and we just won the championship. Anyway, sorry. Um, from Chris, you know, like he's Chris says, eh. There are only four, only ever four to five teams that were realistic financial options, and COVID limited some of those even further. We've lived in the quote super team for world for years now, so a player moving from one to another is shrugged emoji. I totally agree with this. Like PSG lost their lead last year to Lille. They haven't won Champions League. So are they? I mean, on paper, they're a super team. But as we saw in the NBA, when you put a certain team together, it's not always guaranteed to to win you a title. Like at Brooklyn last year with James Harden and Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. Three probably the best players playing right now. Probably Durant's probably the best player playing right now. And they tend to pass the Milwaukee Bucks. So, moving on. I, I, I might have to put that in every single episode that the Bucks won the championship because mm-hmm. it's, it's exciting, man. Anyway, from Jake, this one's a bit long, so fair warning. Realistically, Messi only ends up at a team with ridiculous spending power unless he takes a pay cut. If it had, if he had landed at a Premier League oil club, the outrage would have been almost the same, maybe without the super team complaint. The super team argument is invalid in soccer, in his, in Jake's opinion, at least in how it's framed here. Is Chelsea a super team, or are they a rich team with a bunch of A slash A minus talent? They're not even that, Ooh. Jake. Oh, I'm just sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Ouch. You know, you know, Taylor listens, so she's going to hear your slight on Chelsea, and she's not too happy about him, I'm guessing. <laughs> what about Bayern? What about Liverpool? She's also right behind me. You can see her in the camera. Probably. Hey, Taylor. <laughs> oh, the glare of a basilisk, if I've ever seen one. Continuing <laughs> Jake's uh, answer. What about Bayern, Liverpool, Man City? For Chelsea, there's only one player on their team that is the best at their position in the world, and they just won the Champions League. When I think super team, I think of a collection of overrated, overpaid, and toward the end of career players, and they don't necessarily play together well. I think of modern PSG, Barca, even Real Madrid in the last two few seasons. They have success at the national level, sure, but they're not winning Champions Leagues. That applies to the NBA as much as it does top flight soccer, too. And I think you made a lot of good points. And if you want to join the discussion, again, $3 a month. Pigeon.com. Team that defense. Um, yeah, when I mean, you look at... When I think of super teams, I think of... Well, not, well, not PSG, but... Barcelona, Real Madrid. Team is buying players just to buy big names, not players that will fit their, um, their either their system or their culture. Mm-hmm. So you look at a team like Man City buying Jack Grealish. Are they just buying him because he's the biggest name in English, one of the bigger names in English football right now, or because he th- they Pep thinks Jack is integral to their success this season and will fit in well with the system he runs. Compare that to Liverpool when they buy players like Mohamed Salah. Was he he wasn't a huge name? But when they bought him he fit extremely well into their system and it is now a huge name. Yeah. 
I think that's the same thing is going to happen with that new uh, Rebel Leipzig defender that they signed this season, too. <sighs> he, yeah. He's been looking so good, Kanate. Mm-hmm. Anyway, with PSG, you can say, like, oh, they're just spending money, but their biggest transfers this window have been, have been technically free transfers with, I mean, by no transfer fee paid to their previous clubs with uh, uh, Dunarama from AC Milan. Uh, Sergio Ramos from Real Madrid and Jorginho Wijnaldum from Liverpool now Messi so you're paying the wages but you're not paying for the option to give those players contracts and with merchandise sales I mean they just sold 150,000 Messi jerseys they're spoiler alert they're going to have more in stock at some point and they will sell out again does that kind of off balance or balance out that financial risk they're taking when signing Messi. Maybe. Yeah. Yes. But at the same time, without those four players, they still had Mbappe. They still had Neymar. They still had great players in the team and lost the, the lead on to Lil. Yeah. So it's, yeah, they are, whatever the fees are for Pochettino's therapy after all this. They are, they're going to be, <laughs> I know that. You, I, you didn't see that one coming. They are nominal in comparison to how much money they are making with the names they sign. This was, this was the, you know, Neymar experiment 2.0. They already knew how it was going to go. They just made it bigger and better. I, I really hope that PSG comps Pochettino's therapy sessions because <laughs> yeah. otherwise that's just cruel. Yeah. We, I mean, the expectation for this team now is to win the Champions League. Mm-hmm. Anything less, and this season is a failure. Yeah, which it will be. So, I am so banking. I am so hoping oh, they fail. It's, it's PSG. Yeah, they're, they're, they can't get past this. this. <laughs> they can't win it all. No, they have a little choke. Yeah. Um. And we we thought we thought mm-hmm. we were all done with with international soccer. We thought we were all done with that. But unfortunately, there's some made up league now yes. between MLS and League MLS called the League Cup or whatever. Yep. Um, four games this week. Yep. Uh, Leon, Club Leon of uh, Medellin Bar, his former club, you know, legendary time there. Uh, beat Kansas City 6-1. to one. Ouch. Uh, Seattle, however, avenged them, I guess, <laughs> by beating Tigres 3 to nothing. Um, NYCFC, the very overrated and garbage team that they are, according to Sasha, playing Pumas as we... Are recording and then Orlando are playing Santos Laguna uh, tomorrow at 6 p.m. Um, are these being televised? I think with Fox Soccer, probably. Yeah, uh, Fox FS1. Probably, if you're in the Seattle area, you could, could have gotten the, the the Sounders game. I wasn't even able to find a legal stream of it. Um, oh, but Nicholas Ladero is back, and we should all be afraid because he scored a golazo from outside the box uh, for for the Sounders. So we should be worried about the the, the second coming of Nic- Nicholas Ladero. I, I did see that, and I'm very sad. Um, this Friday, however, your your favorite team in the entire world that never lets you down, Arsenal, will be kicking off the Premier League against Brentford. Um, so we have to give our Premier League predictions. We'll just have a top four and the three teams we think are relegated. And remember, we're really bad at predictions. Just go back to previous episodes of really... The Olympic for the Olympics for the Euros before the MLS season, mm-hmm. it's not great. So, 
I hate that I wrote this down, but my top four are <laughs> Liverpool, City, Chelsea, Leicester. Sasha, yeah. what are your top four? Uh, I'm using the powers of our bad predictions to try to screw over Liverpool by also putting them at first. Uh, <sighs> then Manchester United, then City, then Chelsea. I think Chelsea will go into a post-winner's slump you know, that, that Liverpool had uh, after they won everything. Well, Liverpool finished the season really well. I mean, hopefully we don't need another uh, late winner by our goalkeeper to even get into the Champions League spots. But, hey, it was fun <laughs> to watch. So, I maybe you jinxing us and me jinxing us reverses the jinx, so it will happen. Who knows? I'd be okay with it. I'm going to go with that. The three teams I think are going to be relegated are Norwich, Southampton, and Brighton. In order to preserve my club, I am predicting that Arsenal will get relegated, hoping that my my prediction is so wrong. Um, a little, little more realistic prediction, I'll put Watford there. Um, Wolves, uh, yeah. new, like, new coach, I think always is dangerous in the EPL. And Crystal Palace, also new coach, it's it's dangerous. Um, new coach at Crystal Palace and a lot of new players. I, I looking at your list, I... I regret not putting Crystal Palace on my relegated list. Uh, new coach. At the end of last season, they had like six players in their contract. They had 17 first-team players out of contract. So a lot of new faces in in the in the squad, and they're going to have to gel pretty damn quickly <laughs> to make it even a, make it out of the top, bottom three, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, I think that's a good place to stop. I think Bundesliga... Also starts this week, but I mean, Bayern's going to win, so I even predict anything. <laughs> <laughs> I think there's one other lead that starts this week. Maybe lead on, which I mean, why even start? Because <laughs> going to win it all. <laughs> anyway, uh, Sasha, where can the good people find you on the socials? You can find my, find me on Instagram at Alexander Sourceloth. One Instagram at Caleb Olson seven one six. Also at on Twitter at Real Caleb FC. You can find the podcast on across all platforms at TWO United Fans. I did not tweet about the last game and I probably won't tweet about the next one because I'll be up in the Northwoods and the even though my grandparents have table and Valley Sports and to watch the game, their internet is spotty at best, so sorry. I if I'm not on their Wi Fi I can't like load anything, not even like LTE or 4G or anything. So, and their Wi-Fi distance my phone constantly. So, just know that we'll be back on the 21st for the game against oh, LA Galaxy. I, no, that's the that's this week. That's uh, this weekend. I oh, that's forget. it's Houston Dynamo. Yeah, is it really again? Yes, in Houston. A horrible time to be in Houston. All right. Well, we'll be back for that one on the socials. Um, hey. Thanks to Tectonics for the use of our song Lustless as our theme music. So shout out to our lead commissioner level on our Patreon. Uh, shout out to Eric. Hi, Dad. I'll see you on Thursday. Uh, for $20 a month, you can join the Patreon and get a shout out at the end of every episode. With that, shout out to Simone Biles, St. Paul legend, and shout out to Mad Villain, MF Doom. Rest in peace.